One day, a news reporter was interviewing an 80-year-old woman who had just gotten married for the fourth time. Sadly, her first three husbands had all passed away. The reporter asked her about her life, about what it felt like to be married again at 80 years of age. And then he asked her about her new husband's occupation. She said, oh, he's a funeral director. The reporter thought to himself, well, that's interesting. Then he asked her if she wouldn't mind telling him a little bit about her first three husbands and what each of them did for a living. Well, she explained that first she had married a banker when she was in her 20s, and he sat suddenly passed away. Then she married a circus ringmaster when she was in her 40s, and he passed away. Then she married a preacher when she was in her 60s, and he passed away. And now in her 80s, she married the funeral director. The reporter said to her, wow, that's amazing, four men with such diverse careers. She smiled and said, well, you see, I married one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. Father Mac from St. Vincent's in OLV sent me that joke about two years ago, and I put it aside. I said, I'm going to use this someday in a homily when it fits in. I use it this morning because, even though it's a very amusing story, it does have a very serious background. That 80-year-old newlywed had three major losses that we know of, anyway, to deal with in her life, namely the banker, the ringmaster, and the pastor. But I'm sure she also had to deal with many other losses during her 80 years on planet Earth. The loss of other family members and friends in death. The loss of some of her independence, no doubt. The loss of her ability to do certain things physically. Maybe even the loss of some of her mental, cognitive abilities. But at least these losses were spread out over a number of years. Actually, a number of decades. Poor old Job, who we heard about in today's first reading, suffered all of his losses in one single day. Most of us, I'm sure, know at least the basic outline of Job's story. The Bible tells us that he was a deeply religious man who, and I quote, feared God and avoided evil. He was also quite wealthy. And for many years he led a very happy life until the day when he lost it. And I mean lost nearly everything. First, he lost his herds and flocks. They were either destroyed or stolen. Then his ten children died when the house that they were in collapsed suddenly in a windstorm. And finally, Job was afflicted with this terrible disease that left his entire body covered with painful boils. After all this happened, after all these disasters, the only one that Job has left in his family is Mrs. Job. She proves to be no help either. At one point early in the story, she actually tells her husband to curse God and die. Obviously, Mrs. Job never received the Wife of the Year award. 
Three of Job's closest friends then come on the scene to, and here I quote the Bible, give him sympathy and comfort. However, all they end up giving Job is a lot of bad advice, more aggravation, and probably a really big headache, which was the last thing the poor guy needed at the time. It's in the midst of all this intense suffering that Job utters the famous words we heard in today's first reading. Is not man's life on earth a drudgery? Are not his days those of a hireling? He is a slave who longs for the shade, a hireling who waits for his wages. So I have been assigned months of misery. Troubled nights have been allotted to me. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. They come to an end without hope. Remember that my life is like the wind. I shall not see happiness again. Finally, Job goes right to the top. After he hears from his friends, who basically tell him that he must have done something wrong to have all this bad stuff happen to him, Job cries out to God. And he presses God for an explanation. He knows he hasn't sinned grievously. He knows he hasn't sinned in a serious way. So he wants to know why. He wants to know why the Lord's allowed him to experience all this rotten stuff. And God responds. Job calls, and God shows up. But instead of answering Job's question, God has some questions of his own. He says, where were you, Job, when I created the earth? Tell me, if you know. Who determined its size? Do you know that? Who stretched out the measuring line for it? And on and on the Lord goes with these questions for four solid chapters in the book. His basic message to Job is, look, you think you're smarter than I am? Do you understand creation? Do you understand everything in creation? Can you make an eagle fly or give a horse its strength? These are things that are beyond your capacity to understand, Job. And so is your present situation. The final chapter of the book begins with Job saying these words to God. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be hindered. I have dealt with great things that I do not understand, things too wonderful for me which I cannot know. Then comes what I would call the key line of the entire book. Job says, I had heard of you by word of mouth, but now my eye has seen you. Therefore I disown what I said and repent in dust and ashes. I had heard of you by word of mouth, but now my eye has seen you. Job's experience of loss is terrible excruciating, agonizing experience of loss and suffering, that became an occasion of a life-changing encounter with God, which is the point I want to emphasize in this homily. All of that rotten stuff he went through became the occasion of a life-changing encounter with the Lord. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that Job's encounter with God took away all his pain, 
made him forget about his children and his other losses. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, in the midst of all that, in the midst of all that suffering, Job had the opportunity to meet God in a personal and powerful way, and he did. And he was greatly blessed because of that encounter. It changed him. It didn't change God. It changed Job. Many people think of suffering as an obstacle to meeting the Lord and having a close relationship with him. But Job shows us otherwise. Job shows us that suffering can actually be the occasion for starting or renewing or strengthening our relationship with the Lord. Some of you, I'm sure, know this by your own experience. How many people have either come to Christ or come back to Christ or deepened their faith in Christ after they've experienced a terrible tragedy in their lives. I've seen that happen lots and lots of times over the years. So the bottom line is this. Many people suffer like Job did. Many people suffer while living a good moral life like Job did. Many people suffer with little or no human support, like Job did. Many people question God and his ways, like Job did. But relatively few people encounter God in their suffering, like Job did. Let's pray this morning that we will be among those few.